one of my favorite pieces of magic to perform was in one of my shows and it was a trick where you take someone's watch so just a wristwatch and um there's a funny thing that happens the watch disappears um well before it disappears you kind of it's gonna sound really strange to explain this but you put it into like um I put it into like this large pair of stockings. So then I start swinging it. And with these stockings, they start to stretch and go wider. And you start swinging it. And I make this gag about, you know, if this hits 88 miles per hour, <laughs> this is going to go really, really crazy. And then you smash it accidentally. And then you see that the, just the face of the um, spectator go, my, my watch, you know. And then obviously you comment and uh, you give them a prize for it. And the prize that I give them is a, a loaf of bread, which they don't look very pleased about. But I slice the bread in half and they reach in, scoop out the bread and their watch is inside, completely intact. Hi, I'm Ricky Locke, professional magician, speaker and trainer, and you're listening to the Travelling Optimist podcast with Steve Odie. Hello, everyone, and welcome. If you've been looking for the Travelling Optimist podcast, I can indeed confirm you found it. It's the home of optimism, insight and uplifting stories. And thanks for swinging by and listening in. Episode 29 is with the incredible magician and podcast host and leadership trainer, Ricky Locke. To all of us in Ricky's network, we know that he's one of life's really decent, kind and funny people. He's one of those people that you connect with immediately Which is a good thing really because when you perform in front of strangers it helps to be able to build rapport straight away. But for those of you who don't know Ricky, he's a man of many talents and tricks and this is really a chance to peer behind the bright lights of the Magic Circle, a select group of people that Ricky rightly and proudly belongs and we catch a glimpse into the life of a young man who took a gamble on his talent. He took that leap of faith. As Steve Harvey said, he jumped off that cliff of life, he pulled the cord and he waited for his parachute to open. What he didn't know was there was a worldwide pandemic around the corner, and in the space of a few weeks, his livelihood was swept from under his feet. So he started his superb podcast called Unlocked with Ricky Locke. He'd already built up a sizable YouTube portfolio of videos and changed course to use technology to his advantage. So this is me in conversation with magician Ricky Locke, talking about his life so far, It's about being positive, it's about showing up with optimism in your heart every day, and it's about having perspective and being connected with like-minded people. Ricky is a really gifted, hard-working guy. He always sees the best in people. But ultimately, this is about a talented man's desire to align himself with his passion and just be happy. Okay, let's go. All right, here we go. Welcome to the home of optimism, Ricky Locke. How are you, my friend? I'm very well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. It's a pleasure to be oh, here. It's, no, it's, a, it's an absolute pleasure, mate. It really is. I'm really excited about our conversation uh, coming up. And um, I, we were introduced by uh, our mutual good friend, Pete Can, the Laughter Man. And um, mm-hmm. I think that was uh, after, a. I think you were actually recording a podcast with him, weren't you? And, and your neighbour suddenly decided to start up a chainsaw outside your window. <laughs> Yes, yeah. So I think we first met because you were laughing at my blooper reel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, was recording the right. episode, and I think coincidentally, I think our episode might have came out on the same day or same week. I think I remember it might have come out the yeah. same week, the interview that you had with Pete, and yeah, yeah. was recording, and then the neighbour decided to put his chainsaw out, which is very distracting, as you know, yeah, off air. I think record a podcast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, it is. It's very distracting because I had a similar incident a few weeks ago where my neighbour decided. Well, obviously, you know, it's, you can't you can't tell your neighbours when to to trim their hedges, uh, <laughs> but the uh, gardener had this insanely loud motor hedge trimmer you know petrol uh hedge trimmer and oh it was i had to just cancel it it was ridiculous anyway it's i'm, I'm really glad you're on the show thank you so much for coming um i love your podcast as well it's uh it's called unlocked with ricky lock isn't it yeah that's right yeah so unlocked the ricky lock podcast it's the the pun in the name unlocked which is quite funny actually because a lot of people uh, i interviewed someone recently and they went 
I've only just realised, Ricky, like weeks after we recorded that Unlocked is part of your name, isn't it? I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you very much, Steve. <laughs> nice play on words. Absolutely. Have you just got into podcasting then over the last year or so? Yeah, over the last year, I launched in September 2020. So it's been one of those right. dreams and goals to do. And then I decided to just go, well, it's not a lot else going on, is there? So I can't really have any excuses. Let's just go and do it. And uh, launched in September. Oh, brilliant. No, I love it. It's great. I subscribe. And um Thank you. It's brilliant stuff. Um, uh, the thing is, right, I, I love hosting a podcast because I like asking questions. I'm not so much a, a, as a guest, though, and I, I, I kind of have like this imposter syndrome thing going on, which I know you don't. But uh, so, uh, do you prefer hosting or guesting? Um, I think the lazy option, I like doing the solo episodes because they're shorter because um, I do love hosting as well and, and obviously having guests on, but um, sometimes I get too wrapped up in myself where the conversation is so great and I want to get more questions. And then I find like I'm just talking for like an hour long with that guest and, I, and it's a really great yeah. conversation, but then the editing after it's like, oh, why did I keep talking and keep asking more questions? But I like both. Um, I yeah. definitely, obviously, I'm used to speaking myself. So uh, I do like the solo episodes because they're shorter and bite-sized. But um, yeah, it's, it's kind of, my, my kind of mix is do an interview, then a solo episode, maybe do an interview, then a solo episode like that. So uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I like both. I like oh, both. Nice. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's great. And also, I think where, with the what's been going on and i know you're in very intrinsically linked to the hospitality trade getting out there and doing something different has probably been well it's been a bit of a lifesaver for me uh being in travel but uh, is it the same for you yeah so i mean we, we're quite similar aren't we? we were one of the worst industries to be affected in you know travel and uh, the hospitality yeah it's, it's a pretty strange world a very strange world I, I definitely want to get back out into the events industry although it's kind of i don't know you've got a great question to ask me later on about how i've pivoted it's nice to pivot, but I do miss it. I really want to get back out there into mm. normality, I guess. And, and, and the same as you, I, I bet. Oh, yeah. I'm, you miss it totally. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to get on a plane and go somewhere. Honestly, I really can't. Yeah. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the in the show. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. But let, let's sort of add some context to the whole story about Ricky Locke and, and how he's got to where he is at the moment. And what I like to do is sort of engage a little bit in sort of a backstory. So what, what was what was life like for little Ricky growing up? Have you always been in in, in South Leicestershire? Uh, so uh, South Lincolnshire, yeah. So I, I actually was in East Anglia. Yeah, East Anglia. Um, I grew up in a town called Whittlesea, which is, uh, they call it the Fens. So we often get a lot of ribbons saying we have web feet, web fingers, that kind of thing. And spent probably about 27 years there. I thought that was going to be it. I thought I was going to probably just live with mom and dad until I was like 50 or something like that. And then eventually I moved out with my fiance and we went to South Lincolnshire. We literally just moved like 20 minutes away from home. So just north of Peterborough, uh, there's a little town called Bourne, which is classed as South, South Lincolnshire. And uh, that's where we mm. reside now. Um, but I guess, yeah, cool. in terms of my life, yeah. So interesting. I was doing some research myself here, Steve, for obviously coming onto the podcast, and I found out that you joined the travel industry two years before I was born. <laughs> so um, you'll now work out <laughs> how old I am. So it wasn't <laughs> – I have a cause defense there. But, um, yeah, so um, – but, yeah, basically, as, as growing up as a kid, yeah, it was uh, a wonderful life. I did think that my life was going to be a copy of what everyone else had in that town – the town was a very small town, small village. Yeah. Everybody knew each other's business. And it was kind of the format that you would go to school, you'd leave school, you'd get a job, you'd get married, you'd have kids, then your kids would go to school with your neighbor's kids and it would just have that endless cycle. And there was always a point, I think, for me where I didn't really, really know what I wanted to do. I felt like there was something that I wanted, but I just could never put my finger on it of what it was that I really wanted. And I, I didn't really know really what I wanted yeah. to do. And there was lots of different things that I, I started to do. I'm a bit of a, a jack of all trades, master of not many, and uh, did lots of different things, such as playing in bands uh, and being skateboarding as a, you know, as one of those kind of what we called back then, we called like an emo kid, which was like, we listened to emo music. So a lot of kind of like punk rock stuff. And I, I thought that was pretty much what my life was going to be. I was probably going to go do some music recording and things like that. And it wasn't really until I left school that I started to really think about the things that I enjoyed doing. And it, and it didn't really happen until 
later in my career when I worked in retail that I started to really think, yeah, I think this is what I like doing. And the whole people element is what kind of shaped probably to where I'm at now. Yeah. So what is describe what this is? Yeah. So great question. So this is um, a bit of a mess, I think, at the minute. <laughs> no, no. Um, so obviously, my name's Ricky. I'm a professional magician, a speaker and trainer. Uh, I host a podcast as well called Unlocked. And I've had a 15-year career working in retail where I was a, a national trainer for the whole of Argos and Sainsbury's with another group of five people. Did various different roles, such as leading customer experience, stock managing, store managing, lots of retail hierarchy roles. And it always involved around people, which then kind of shaped the point of where I am now, which I am a professional magician in the wedding industry. And I work at probably about 40 to 50 weddings a year and do other training and other speaking events uh, on on the side. And I guess that's kind of me in a nutshell. I'm this kind of strange uh, entity which um, performs magic and creates magic for other people and I have this tagline in life which is creating magical memories that will last a lifetime so whether that's at a wedding I'm creating that moment that people will always you know remember or even if it's in speaking or training it's creating these experiences that people will never forget and it's loosely based on the uh, Maya Angelou phrase which is people will never remember what you said they won't remember what you did but they will never forget how you made them feel that kind of is a nice summary to what I do. Whatever I do, it's to create magical experiences either with people, memories, and uh, just creating magic everywhere I go and, and leading like your podcast really with optimism and positivity in life. So yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. I love that, and I've seen uh, I've seen like a load of your videos. Okay, so <laughs> so go and check out his YouTube channel, um, and it's great seeing the people's uh, reactions. You know, is just awesome. But did you always like love so entertainment and entertaining people? Have it has that always been like in in your DNA, as it were? Like as a like growing up as a kid, not that you wanted. Not I'm not saying you're like a diva being sent to stage or anything like that. But <laughs> is it always? Have you always had been that had the entertaining spark in you then? Yeah, so I think I did. Now I asked this question to my mum and dad like last year uh, at Christmas time, and I said, "Where where did this come from, mum and dad?" They said. We have no idea because we've got no entertainment bones in our body. So I did question <laughs> thinking, am I adopted? Because I do have um, <laughs> green eyes and they've all got brown. So we'll find out one day. But yeah, I guess as a kid, there was always something for me where I always wanted to be in front of an audience. And the strange thing is like as a kid, I remember like playing musical instruments like keyboard, drums, guitar, that kind of thing. And I always remember when like if people came around like my mum's friend for a coffee or maybe like an electrician or plumber came around. And just for the fact, by the way, my mum didn't get a lot of plumbers come around. Just let's get that out there just before anyone makes any assumptions about my mum. But when people used to come around, I always used to crank up the, the volume. And it wasn't kind of an arrogance or like a narcissistic thing of looking at me. But it was, a, I wanted to show people, let, 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 let me show you what I can do and what I can achieve. And it was just to kind of entertain them. And then when I started to be in a band when I was about 15, that energy there is an extra that I thrived off seeing people happy, smiling and just loving music. And I remember one of the key points in my life that I did this uh, in retail when I was working in Argos, that I did this course, which was like define your purpose. It was called. And we highlighted that there was a couple of moments in my life, which uh, is an answer to your question. One of those early moments was uh, when I was 16 and I was performing at the school uh, talent show and we did a cover of Green Day's American Idiot, but it was in the style of Blitzkrieg Bomb by the Ramones. It was very, very funny. Um, but I remember just loving every moment of that, of hearing the audience and hearing, and probably hearing my mum and dad just shouting the loudest out of everyone, but just having that wonderful feeling of being in front of an audience. That kind of escalated then into my retail career, leading teams, being in front of an audience. And when I started doing like workshops and training events with Argos, I remember just that moment of, this is fantastic. You know, I can say something and I can get people in the palm of my hands. I can see them hanging on to every single word. And it just kind of really went well with the magic, magic in front of an audience, speaking in front of an audience. And that's kind of, it's always been there, I think. And it wasn't until the last 10 years that I've kind of shaped it into, okay, let's go be like a professional entertainer, a magician. Let's go do some speaking and where we can get a message out there and get people to make a difference from that. So in answer to your question, that was a long answer. 
there's always been something. Um, <laughs> I think I just wanted to show people like, oh, look at this, look at what you can do. Or, or look, what do you think of this? I remember even my mates, when they used to come around, would be playing like the Sega Mega Drive. And then I'd get my guitar and say, oh, oh Callum, look, listen to this. This is a new song I've learned from Fallout Boy. And it was just, I really wanted to just kind of entertain people. So yeah, in answer to your question, it's always been there from a start. <laughs> Brilliant. No, it sounds like you're really multi-talented. And I think it's, what it, what I love about that is that you kind of, following your passion doing stuff that you love and it you know you could do it presumably you were doing it simultaneously with your full-time job and then so what what happened with that why why you know was there like a a pivotal moment that you said do you know what stuff it i'm going to do this full-time now i'm going to give up my job and really just go for it was it sort of you know anything did anything happen to get to that point yeah so another great question thank you steve so I kind of started magic quite late in my life. A lot of kids and a lot of magicians always have the, the magic set and then kind of go from there at an early age. I had that magic set, but it wasn't until in my retail career when I started to become like a customer service manager, I started to use magic tricks in the staff room. And I basically used magic tricks to bribe my team. I'd show them something they would like me. And I guess there was a kind of, you know, it was a social cue for me to try and improve my confidence in talking to people and getting them to like me and work for me. And I then started to take on gigs like the first gig I ever did, I think it was like, can you perform for us, Ricky, at a dinner, at this big five-hour event? I think it's for the Freemasons, and we'll give you £20. I was like, yeah, of course I will. You know, <laughs> which To this day, I mean, £20 is still a lot of money to some people, of course, but um, it's, it's a terrible rate to what I'm doing now. But it just started from there, <laughs> and I started to get recognition, YouTube videos and stuff like that. And then in answer to your question, about two to three years before I left Argos, there was this point where the business was really taking over. And in the last couple of years of uh, working in Argos, I was a national trainer. So Monday to Friday, I was traveling all along the country, Scotland, flying over to Northern Ireland and doing these wonderful training events. And then in the evening, you're in a hotel, so there's nothing you could do. So I started to build the business online for that bigger picture of what we all want to do, of you know, following your dreams and passion. And then um, it got to the point where the, the magic was just getting crazy. I was doing Monday to Friday training in front of all these wonderful teams. On the weekend, going to do weddings and private events for Carol's 40th birthday, things like that. And um, I said to my boss, I think I'm going to have to leave soon. I've either got to stick with Argos or do I just um, leave and do magic? And she said, Ricky, just wait. I think we might get made redundant next year. And that was like in 2019. And um, yeah, come 2020, the business decided that they were going to do a big restructure. And unfortunately, they said that our team was no longer needed, which was the spark for me to say, right, Ricky, go for it. You know, go follow your dream. I say like mm. I was a professional magician. I guess I was semi-professional because obviously I had a main job as well. Mm. But I kind of really turned properly professional um, a week before the lockdown. And <laughs> I got made redundant. Um, mm. had 50, I think it was about, no, 45 weddings in the diary, lots of other events, speaking events as well. And then, pardon the pun, everything just disappeared because the lockdown came and, and like yourself and your industry, everything was just wiped clean from the diary. And um, in answer to your yeah. question, that was yeah. the spark. Yeah. What got you into magic though? What, what, what drew, was it that sort of that magic, the box of tricks that you got like one Christmas and you thought, well, I love this. <laughs> yeah, I guess there was this, there was this eagerness to understand it. I remember seeing an old trick that my friend did at school, which was just a simple coin vanish. And it was the, how did you do that? And then obviously learning that secret, it was then the feeling of what I gave to other people. There'll be points Mm. where you'd show a magic trick to someone and then you would just see on their face, everything just disappear for just a few minutes. No problems, no worries in their life. They weren't thinking about paying their mortgage on time. They were just enjoying that moment. And that kind of just made that ripple effect for me that I love doing this. I love being in front of an audience, but making someone else feel special, feel happy. And I get it to this point, you know, a lot of people, I always say this, that people um, never remember what I said or did, but they never forget how you make them feel. And that's my tagline when I go to weddings and I say to my couples that if you book me, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'll be getting your guests talking about your wedding long after it's finished. I still get it to this day, even from people I work with in Argos, Ricky, I still remember that trick you did four or five years ago. It was amazing. And it's creating those magical moments, I think, which is something that we should all probably be doing, I think, this year, you know, creating more of a human connection and Mm. just create magical moments. I think also it gets it's underestimated the amount amount of time you have to practice, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. How? How? So, yeah. if you're going to learn a trick, right? How, how long does that take to really master? Yeah. So th- there's an old and there's an old saying in the magic community, and I think it was by David Devant, who was one of the founding members of the Magic Circle, and some uh, young magician in the 1920s or 30s asked him. Uh, and he said, David, I know a uh, hundred tricks. How many tricks do you know? And he said, I know 10 tricks and I do them well. And that's kind of the answer to the question is that it, it can take a long time. I mean, some of the tricks that I perform now, I've been performing for probably five years. And then every single year or something, mm. something will happen. Then you'll add a little word in or add a little phrase. Now, there's nothing stopping you, Steve, from going online and, and buying a magic set and then saying, hey, I'm a magician. The magician, it's it's the magic that you create. So you separate the trick um, and the magic is the experience. So we often get hung up a lot about these tricks and stuff, but really the real magic is that feeling that you can give to someone. But in answer to your question, yeah, it can take a long time to master something. They say, I think it's like, isn't it 10,000 hours of yeah. mastery to master something? But to be honest... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I'm still, I'm still doing some of the that tricks long. that I did years ago and um, there's little nuances or little phrases that I add in. And I remember doing something two years ago, um, performed a hundred times and I said something, I said, I asked this question, do you know the difference between a magician and a mind reader? And somebody shouted out this piece of gold and I went, that's amazing. I'm having that in my script. And then that kind of evolved into the script. So yeah, it, it's interesting because yeah. I sometimes perform some of the same tricks again to people. And you always question yourself thinking, well, if I do this same thing again, will they remember it? But there's a real interesting thing with magic is that there's points in the effects that you perform that people can't remember bits. So you kind of lead them down a garden path and you perform something. And then they're trying to unravel it going, but how did that work? Because it was in my hand the whole time. And that's the power of the magic is you're giving them this unbelievable, you know, virtually impossible moment of how did you do that? And that's that magical feeling like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing! I love that. So, presumably, you're a uh, you're a member of the magic circle, you, and you have to be a member of the magic circle to be a, a magician, right? Uh, not necessarily. No, so you don't have to be. But if you are a member of the magic circle, you are uh, you, you have the credibility there, and it's part of the it's the world's premier magic society in the world. So it's recognisable as the best magic society in the world. Um, you don't have to, but it, it, it does add to credibility, and it's a recognisable institute for um, for magic. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I can really sense like this. There's a really cool energy about you, Ricky, and I love it. And you're really passionate about what you do. And it's it's obviously with a podcast. We're, we I can see you because we're doing it remotely, and we're on on uh, you know uh, Wi-Fi, whatever, and we can see each other. But with what you do, right, bringing the magic and creating those magic moments, there must have been some like incredible moments that you've had that have like blown people away and like, you know, like a wedding where you've got 150 people. First of all, are you nervous before you go in? And second of all, what's like kind of the best moment that you've ever had in in your career so far? <laughs> okay. So another good question, Steve. I love this. So nervous. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess someone said, I can't remember who it was. So apologies for the credit here, but if you're not nervous before an event and you're not alive or something like that, and uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a great energy. A lot of people associate that nerves are bad. Oh my God, this mm. is going to go wrong. But nerves just shows you passion. It, to me, it just shows that you're really excited that you want this to be a special thing. So yeah, absolutely. Mm. Even with online shows, I get nervous. Actually, probably more nervous because there's more risk of the tech going wrong or a camera <laughs> stop working. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I always do. But um, as soon as you start, you go onto that stage and you hear that round of applause, it's just... The character mode, it's like a light switch. You just switch on and then you can walk into a character. Mm. So, for example, if I was talking to you in the street, I'd be like, yeah, hi, Steve. How are you doing? All right. And then when you become Ricky Magician, it's like, hey, Steve, how are you doing? You know, and it just kind of it's like putting on a you know a fresh pair of socks. It's comfy. You get it. And I think once you hear that applause, that's what just keeps you alive. And, and interestingly there, I guess as a segue, when we think about what's happened to our industry, I thrived off having people clap and cheer and telling me how great I was. And that was amazing. COVID comes, you've got none of that. And I remember doing my very first online show in June mm. last year. Everybody has their cameras off. Everybody had their mics off on Zoom. And I did this trick and there was no clapping. I was like, oh, this feels terrible. 
because you're just used to hearing applause and that that tells you it's a cue to tell you that you're doing a good job so um yeah so in answer to your question when i hear that applause that's what makes me truly come alive and i guess the best one of the best moments i've had so it's always a privilege and an honor to perform at the magic circle so for those who don't know the magic circle is in london yeah it's in euston in london and um, it's a real honor to go down there and perform for uh, live audiences. They do public events. Um, and I think they're going to do some again, hopefully yeah. when the restrictions ease. But one of my favorite pieces of magic to perform was in one of my shows. And it was a trick where you take someone's watch. So just a wristwatch. And um, there's a funny thing that happens. The watch disappears. Um, well, before it disappears, you kind of, <laughs> it's going to sound really strange to explain this, but you put it into like um I put it into like this large pair of stockings. So then I start swinging it. And with these stockings, they start to stretch and go wider. And you start swinging it. And I make this gag about, you know, if this hits 88 miles per hour, (laughs) this is going to go really, really crazy. And then you smash it accidentally. And then you see that just the face of the um, spectator go, my watch, you know. And then obviously you comment and uh, you give them a prize for it. And the prize that I give them is a, a loaf of bread, which they don't look very pleased about. But I slice the bread in half and they reach in, scoop out the bread and their watch is inside completely intact. And it's it's just one no. of the most favorite pieces of magic to perform. I can't tell you how, it's, how it works because I'll get chucked out of the magic circle. But No, no, absolutely. It's just that whole no, that's amazing though. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's just it's such an up and down trick because you just see their face go. And I performed it twice in, on that show. Uh, on separate days. And the first watch I borrowed was, um, it was like a big Fitbit one. So it was a couple of hundred pounds, this watch. And yeah. it started vibrating. And I think, <laughs> I don't know if it was still connected somehow to his uh, heart rate monitor, but I think his heart rate was pumping up and down as he was getting nervous as he was watching me swing it. So, um, but it's just a wonderful thing. And it was the yeah. trick that everybody remembers from that show. Like, how on earth did that watch get in that bread? So yeah, that's one of my favorite things is to do. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're doing... Like you're doing a show at the Magic Circle, so are there obviously other magicians in the in the audience as well? Are there? Or is it- uh, yeah, so the Magic Circle hosts different events each year, so you can get like a public event. So yourself, Steve, you could buy a ticket to go down and watch. And um, the shows that I used to go take part in was called the Ali Bongo Show, and it was where you'd have uh, friends and family of the Magic Circle to come. Some would be magicians, some would be non-magicians, and the parts that I used to perform in was the close-up set. So um, everybody sits in an audience of about 10 or 20 people. And then I perform on a little table for about 10 minutes. And then you rotate and you get another magician. Uh, but they also have a stage up on the top roof. So a big theater that they do um, obviously stage magic as well. So, yeah, it's um, I think it's coming oh, soon. Wow. So anyone interested, you can actually get tickets. A bit like the Magic Castle uh, for any of your uh, American listeners as well. They do the same thing in America. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I love that. I've never even heard of it, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out after the after the show. I think when you're in front of an audience, though, there is that pressure, isn't there? But also, like you're saying, you do get nervous. But when you get into the into the room and you've slipped the the you know your the the costume on to for to do the magic, you kind of you get into like a flow, don't you? Yeah. Was that the best way to describe it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's it's like that light switch moment where you just become another person. It's kind of like mm. an alter ego in a, in a way. Like the magician, it's weird, isn't it? Because as a magician, I crave and I guess I thrive off other people's energy. But sometimes if you see me walking around Tesco's, <laughs> I don't want to talk to anyone. You know, I just want to get in and get out. Probably got my headphones on. So yeah, it is like a flow. You just, you know, the patter, it can just slip out your mouth and everything you need to say. Um, you know, hand positioning, you know, like when I do the online shows, you know, I know exactly framing wise where I need to put my hands right time, where I need to put the tricks on. And yeah, I would absolutely agree. It's like a, a flow. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what about funny moments? I can, I can only imagine because I know you're, you're a, a qualified hypnotherapist or hypnot- hypnotist, aren't you? So, yeah, so I'm a, um, uh, um, entertainment wise. Yeah. So not for hypnotherapy wise. So just for um, no. stage hypnosis. Yeah. Okay. Now that's always fascinated me. And <laughs> I would imagine, is this where some of the most funny moments come into your yeah. life as it were from a work perspective? <laughs> Definitely. So uh, there's, there's three moments that I can remember, which is quite funny. So one is to do with magic and then I'll share the one about hypnosis. So actually there's two moments of magic. One, when I was in early stages of doing a trick, 
uh, sorry, in early stages when I was a magician, there was a, um, a piece I used to perform where I'd go around tables and I remember picking up someone's wine glass thinking it was empty but because, you know, like wine glasses have that little bit at the bottom, you can't tell if it's water or not. Um, it was actually red wine. I didn't see it. And I actually went like, like tipped it. Um, so for people listening, you can't see this, but I'm, I'm tipping it kind of almost upside down. And it spilt on this lady's dress. And I was like, ah, oh. thankfully, she was so good about it. But I was absolutely panicking, thinking this is one of my first kind of you know, professional gigs. <laughs> I'm never going to do this again. Uh, but she was very kind. And she said not to worry. It's okay. But that's one of the worst things. Like, if, if you do any damage to anyone, although I'm covered by public liability through like equity, it's it's never a conversation that you want to ring up and say, "Yeah, I've just I've just damaged someone's property." You know, <laughs> um, there was another time where, quite recently actually, so I used this. There's an effect that I do for couples when they get married, and I borrow a spectator's phone and we do something on their phone. And there was um, there's something that you can always encounter when you are a magician or you're a performer. There's people that you encounter called alpha um, males or females, and it's the uh, they are the center of attention. They do not want to be knocked off that spot. So if I come over to a table, everyone looks at me, and the alpha male or the alpha female wants to get involved. They want to take the mickey out of you, that kind of thing. And there was someone in the audience, and mm-hmm. I borrowed someone's phone, just doing the trick, ready for the climax of the trick, the big reveal. And then the phone starts ringing. It was FaceTiming. <laughs> and it was someone from the audience that had obviously done a trick too early on who didn't like me for some reason. They were an alpha male. They didn't like it that I was then now getting all the attention rather than them. And he decided to ring me. And I was like, oh, all right, okay. No. Which was a big laugh moment, you know, thinking, great, you've just ruined the end of this trick for this couple. So anyway, all I did was put it onto flight mode and then carry on with the trick. But uh, So that was a, a quite an embarrassing moment. You know, I'm ready for the big finish, ready to walk out as well and finish the gig. And um, yeah, that was ruined by uh, this, this. I won't tell you the, the word that I said in my head, uh, Steve, but you um, And then hypnosis-wise, yeah. So <laughs> hypnosis is a funny thing because you get some people that can go really, really extreme with it and some people that kind of get just minor uh, effects with it. And some of the funniest moments I've ever had is invisibility. So how for everyone listening, this is kind of how hypnosis works. It, it's kind of everywhere. So everyone often assumes that it's just like a sleep that you go into a state, but you will experience this and so will the listeners every single day. If you drive a car, I'm sure that you've done this, Steve, where you're driving on the motorway, slip roads coming up that you need to come off and you just drive past it and you go, oh, what have I done? Or sometimes you might be driving and just you just forget where you are and you start thinking about what am I going to do for my dinner tonight? And all the time, your hands and your feet are just controlling it. It's kind of like your subconscious is just doing it. So much to the point that you could probably drive a car and start thinking about what I'm going to do next weekend and then everything just moves, right? And that's basically what hypnosis is. It's just tapping into that subconscious side. And the favorite piece I've ever done was where I hypnotized someone to say that I was invisible, which is the most scariest thing as well for some people, but it's the most hilarious thing for all the audience watching. But I snapped my fingers and told them that I'm invisible. So then as I start picking things up from the stage, they were like, you know, they they were completely freaking out. To the audience, it was absolutely hilarious, probably not for them. And um, yeah, it was hilarious. So then when I say like, I'm going to snap my fingers and you're just going to see my head floating around, I snap my fingers and they're like, (gasps) you know, now realistically, they they can see me. They can see me. It's not like that I am invisible. Their brain recognizes that I'm there, but their brain is telling them that this is invisible. So for example, if I've done it uh, in the past with another effect where I've said, I, I do this quite, this one's one of my favorite ones, which is, I get people to be hypnotized to imagine that they're part of the London Symphony Orchestra. So when I play a piece of music on the um, PA system, they just start playing and going wild. There's, there's lots of videos. I'll have to share them with you, Steve, after the show, where they just start playing. <laughs> and in. Now, they know. So like playing, they a, they playing like a violin kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, sorry yeah. for all the listeners. Yeah, so they're, they're, like they're imitating the playing of a violin or a... Yeah. 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 And, and oh, at the end all, of it, that's awesome. see them. Yeah, you see them, they get absolutely knackered, they're sweaty. And then when you wake them out of that state, they go, what have I been doing for the last 10 minutes? I'm absolutely sweating and knackered. And then when you show them the video of what they've been doing, they go, was that me? And they're like, yeah. So that's one of my funniest moments. I'll have to share some videos with you. But um, Yeah, I do. I mean, that must be that must be really weird. Have you ever been hypnotized? I haven't, no. Um, I don't know if it's just because I know how the, the kind of hypnosis works or maybe yeah. I'm just too scared because I know what it can be done because <laughs> it, it's quite scary, really, when you mm. think about 
what the ability that I have to make people do something that they probably naturally wouldn't do, which is quite scary. Mm. You know, um, not to the point, I'm not going to get people to like hypnotize to go rob a bank or something like that. But it's scary to think that just by suggestion that you can make people believe they are part of an orchestra or invisible. It, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it's 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 really funny though. I must admit, it's really good to see that. And I remember seeing like loads of TV shows in the past, you know, where they they eat an onion and it, they think it's an apple. Oh, so yeah, it's amazing yeah. what it's. But what that is is is, is just reiterating what you said. Actually, the brain and your mind is a really powerful thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And to be able to do that is incredible. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's all part of that kind of subconscious part of the brain. You know, the brain is just operating so quickly. Like when you're probably going for a jog, you know, you might be listening to some music, you know, or even driving. People can drive, eat something, drink something, probably play with the stereo whilst they're driving and, and everything just happens naturally, you know, and it's mm. just tapping into that side. You know, it, it's, it's really scary, really scary when you think about things. And it, it's like a dream. When people sometimes have that really vivid dream, I'm sure you've had one, Steve, where you wake up thinking, oh, my God, did I just do that? And then it takes a couple of seconds and you realize, oh, thank God for that. I didn't rob that bank or I didn't I, I didn't walk around the supermarket yeah. naked or something like that. But that's so powerful. It's just your brain, um, you know, kicking in there. So, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Um, but like, uh, I guess, like a Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. Have you used that kind of philosophy, though, in terms of from a life perspective? Because it, 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 I think it's your subconscious doesn't know what's true or what isn't true. Um, you know, so a lot of a lot of very successful people visualize, um, use visualization. They 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 speak things um, into kind of existence. They're, you know, firm believers in things like law of attraction and stuff like that. And I think this is where that kind of sits in quite nicely, doesn't it? And yeah. I just wonder, do you know what, you, do you know what your thoughts are on that? This is going yeah. off script by the way, as well. I know, yeah. cause I know I didn't, I didn't prompt with this. No, that's all right. Yeah. It's a great question. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Cause I think when you think about like the, um, uh, you know, the RAS system, so your reticular activating system, when you go, uh, let's say Steve, you go buy a brand new car, for some reason, you see it everywhere. And those cars haven't just suddenly dropped out of the sky. They were always there. It's just that your brain is more attuned to it and more aware of it. So, for example, if mm. I start thinking about, oh, do you know what? I fancy a McDonald's for my dinner. I might see adverts on TV late tonight. And I think, hmm, maybe I do need a McDonald's. But it's it's not that, that some yeah. producers just said, Ricky's going to be watching the TV at 7 o'clock tonight. Let's get that McDonald's advert out there. We need his money. It's just always there. It's just that you have become more aware of it. And you're absolutely right. I think it's using that brain and focusing on the things you want, like the law of attraction. And that's when people start noticing like changes in their life, like positivity. They might see that if people are starting to lose weight or get fit, they'll start recognizing and be more aware of the things that they want to in terms of that attraction. So, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, great question. Has optimism played a part in your life to any degree? Yeah, I get a lot of comments that I'm very positive. I'm always smiling. I'm always doing things to make others happy. And I think that one of my things is that I often try to see the best in something or mm. someone. And obviously, like um, with your podcast, the theme of my podcast is to live the best version of ourselves and to unlock the best life. And I really try to be an optimist at all times. And that really was tested, I guess, last year with the, you know, global pandemic destroying everything that, you know, we've been working for. Um, but I absolutely, yeah, I, I try to always be positive, always be a happy person and always look at the, the good things of, of what if that, that's a phrase that I use quite a lot. What if you often get a lot of people saying, Oh, this is going to be terrible, but what if it wasn't terrible? Or what if today was actually the best day in the world? You know, I, I, I talk about this a lot, which is um, for any listeners of the podcast, they'll know this. I talk about the phrase from Sumo by Paul McGee, which is E plus R equals O. And it's the idea, it's based from Jack Canfield, that the event plus the reaction equals the outcome. The event for me last year was the global pandemic. It destroyed my business completely. Lost 80% of my income, couldn't follow my dreams. And I'm sitting there thinking, how am I going to earn income? Now, the reaction, if I chose to sit there and moan and be angry and annoyed at the world, like the world owes me a favor, which is funny because I read a phrase the other day, which is 
the world doesn't owe you anything. The world was here before you, <laughs> so it doesn't owe you anything at all. Mm -hmm. But if I chose to sit there and moan, what is going to be the outcome? I'm probably going to attract negativity. I'm going to attract miserable people. Um, no one wants to see that. But if I'm an optimist, hey, the global pandemic's here, right? I can't control any of that. I can't do anything about that at all. But what I can control is my behavior. So let's just be optimistic about it, right? I can't do that anymore. So what can I do and what can I focus on? Even if it's the small things in life, maybe looking at things into perspective. You know, one of the things I was like moaning about was like, oh my God, I can't can't get 80% of my income. I can't go out to these wonderful events. But actually, I've got a roof over my head. I've got food. I've got warmth. I've got light. There are far worse things in life that could be happening to me right now. So I have to look at things into perspective and then use that to focus on my behavior. And that's where that optimism comes in. It's choosing to make a choice to be positive. You know, because no one wants to see it. I mean, Steve, if you went onto social media, LinkedIn, saying, "Oh, it's all it's all gone crap, isn't it? It's all rubbish," you know, of course, people are probably going to say, well, "What's wrong, Steve?" You know, you're the optimist podcast, but it's a choice, and, and, and absolutely, <laughs> that we are human beings. We're not human doings. I do have bad days. There are times when things go wrong, but it's a choice, and you can have, like Paul says in the book, you can have that wallow time where you can choose to just sit on the sofa and eat junk food and watch Netflix, but you just have to be aware that. Just don't do it for too long. Just snap out of that. Once you've done that, make a choice, right? Today's going to be a good day. Whatever happens, I will choose to be positive and optimistic about it. And I think that's what it comes down to. It's the whole choice of mm. I'm going to make a choice here to have a good day. <laughs> such a great attitude, really such a cool attitude. And actually, how old are you, 30? 32, just a couple of days ago. Yeah, 32. Right. I'm thinking... I'm trying to look back when I was 32, which is a pretty long time ago now. <laughs> and um, I think I probably had a decent mindset, but I probably didn't have that kind of maturity that you're kind of showing now. And I think it's testament to you, actually, that when you're coming into a situation that's absolutely going to bloody ruin things, potentially, you know, for, for a while, you've got to, you, you've, you have, you have got two choices. You've got the choice where you can just go down and start moaning all the time. And actually all that's going to do is just going to attract more negativity in your life. Like you quite rightly said, we'll take it a bit more positively, look at things in a, with some perspective, choose the right, the right way to go down this, this, choose another route, which is healthier, you know, because actually, like you said, you can't control anything. You've got no control over lockdown, for an example. You, you don't have any control over the government saying, yeah, we're going to have to close hospitality down. Yeah, that's um, right, yeah. You know, th there's nothing you can do about it. So don't stress out over it, which I know totally, sometimes yeah. that I'm not trying to be flippant because that I know it's difficult, right? Yeah. I know yeah. how difficult it is. You know, I mean, I'm not going to harp on about it. I spent 15 years building a business and it was literally hitting like hitting a brick wall. You know, and but I know there are a lot of other people out there who are a lot worse off. But, you know, you have got that one thing. And in fact, I was speaking to um, a really amazing guy called Manuel Astruc, who's uh, an American. He's a psychiatrist. And um, his main thing is that his his big superpower is the ability to choose. And that just resonated with me. And you've just mentioned that as well. So getting back to what I originally said, you, you're the kind of the maturity level that you're showing is, is, you know, really high. So, you know, really applaud you for that. And I think that's probably what's got you through this, isn't it? Because yeah. COVID has meant a lot of things to a lot of people. So how, how, what was it like, you know, when everything was unfolding in March, how were you feeling? Describe to me what, what that was doing yeah. to you. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple of things there, I think. Uh, and I think that you said it really well at the start there. Like I'm, I'm 32, so for a lot of listeners, they're probably going to go, God, you've, you've not even got enough life experience, you know. But, like, there was, there was a couple of events that happened last year along with COVID. Like, I lost my nan's brother. Uh, he died to um, – he had an, uh, just doing something in the garage. Um, something fell off off the, the side of the wall of the garage, hit him on the head. And then they found, obviously, when they looked into it, he had a big, big tumour. And uh, he died just a couple of weeks later. Um, my uncle, he died of Parkinson's last year, which was, uh, you know, just a horrific way to – you know, to leave this life but there's a there's a quote that's used in the art of well-being which is the idea of if they could swap with me right now i'm sure that my uncle whilst i'm moaning about how there's snow on the ground oh my god it's it's ruining my travel to work or do you know what i'm not getting eight percent of my income 
my uncle, I'm sure he would love to swap with me right now and be here still with his family whilst I'm moaning about insignificant things. And I think when you put it into like that perspective, it could be far worse. And I'm sure my uncle would still love to be on this earth right now, celebrating lovely moments, you know, the little things with his family that he can't now do, which is a sad, mm. sad thing. And um, I think that that really developed last year because I, I generally thought that last year was going to be the year for me, like most people. You know, the stars were aligned. I was going to leave Argos, get this redundancy, fulfill my dreams and passion. I was supposed to get married last year. And I thought, this is the year, you know. It took a little while to understand, well, what do I do now? You know, I've, um, business is gone. You're getting emails left, right, center from couples saying, oh, Ricky, we're going to postpone. We're going to do this, which which is not great. It's not a positive thing, you know, when you're worrying about income and everything. And then I think it took a little bit of a, a breakdown where I actually just stopped and said, hey, do you know what? Uh, I'm not okay. And I think for a lot of people who are watching mm. me on social media, they could see that I think they assumed that I was okay because they could see Ricky's doing these wonderful magical things. He's going out to these wonderful events. But when you take the character side of Ricky and then put the human side of Ricky, actually, no, I wasn't okay. You know, I'd lost my business. I'd lost everything. You know, mm. I'm not getting married. I'm not getting any money. And I said this to people like, you know, in a PAYE job, if you was to say to someone, right, your job that you get money every single month. Imagine not getting that for 10 months this year. Wow. You know, that's pretty much what happened to mm. us in the industry. But it took that moment to just stop, mm. reach out and be vulnerable and just be brave. Because I think a lot of people associate that vulnerability is a weakness, but actually vulnerability is a strength. It's about being bold and being brave. Mm. And that's all I did last year. I just showed up every day, kept optimistic, kept positive, kept putting content out there, kept showing up and doing stuff. And then eventually that attracted positivity. And then I got involved with events and I never once dreamed of doing online shows. And last year I did 63. You know, I, I, when I first saw the idea, I thought, I don't want to do this at all. But I started to realize that I could connect and cheer up the nation and bring, you know, wonder and joy to people's lives again in a time that's really difficult. And that made that massive ripple effect. So in answer to your question, yeah, it, it took a bit of a dark moment, I guess. But then I realized that actually I've got a choice. And when I started to hear other people's stories of their life being far worse than mine, I felt truly privileged of, I've got a house, I've got these wonderful things around me that actually there's more to life than this. And that's where it kind mm. of went. And I thought I've got a choice and this is what I'm going to do. So, yeah. There's a point, isn't there, where you get into like a situation like this where things get really, I, I had, a, I had a, a, a time last year where I wasn't myself for like two weeks. I've never felt like that before in my life. It was completely alien. I didn't know what it was. And it just felt really weird. And I, I think I was I was depressed. I was I was being uh, the whole COVID thing was mentally affecting me because of, of my lack of ability to do anything about what was happening. I'd, I kind of lost control a little bit and I didn't like that. And I think a lot of people are going through like moments of that, that period. But actually out of that came quite a lot of beautiful stuff actually and i want so i'm just thinking you mentioned that there was a a, a little period last year where you're thinking oh shit this is this is bloody awful <laughs> yeah. you know um and you know feeling a bit down in the dumps and you and but the thing is you are everyone's allowed to feel like that you know just because optimism plays a big part of my life doesn't mean to say that i i don't have days where it's like <laughs> oh you know i just i can't be bothered with all this nonsense <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> But but at those times, and I'm just thinking whether did you was that like the launch pad then for when things started getting? I'm interested in this because um, I've read and listened to a lot of it where a lot of people have suddenly found this light bulb had a light bulb moment when they were really their backs were against the wall. It was things were getting really tight. Things were you know it was like burn the boats kind of situation what Tony Robbins yeah. talks about. Yeah. And that's it. And it's only, you can only move forward. Was that, was there a moment like that for you? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm going to virtual high five you because I love that Tony Robbins phrase as well. The, um, the burn the boat. And I, I think my boat was burned last year. That's, that's what kind of made me think, right, Ricky, you're going to either sink or swim here. And I decided mm -hmm. to just swim in the, the river of optimism and the river of positivity. And I think, uh, I don't know if you're a big fan of Jim Rohn. Uh, you probably are, I guess with oh, Tony yeah. Robbins, but I've got this on the, the side of my office, which is, uh, it's not the blowing of the winds, but it's the set of the sail. 
And this is the idea of, you know, if you imagine where you want to go in life and you're in a sailboat, that will only go in the direction that you you kind of want it. And Steve McDermott adds the context of if you put a little engine on the boat filled with values, purpose and drive, it will go wherever you want. But as Jim Rohn says, it's not the blowing of the winds, it's the set of your sail. Everybody is faced with the mm. the wind of opportunity, the wind of destruction, but it's how you set that sail and decide to go in that direction. And it comes down to a choice at the end of the day. And that happened for me. That was that moment where, crap, my my business is destroyed, you know, and um, I'm going to now swim. And I decided that I'm going to make a choice. And, and just like you, you know, Steve, there are days when absolutely things go wrong and I just want to vent and cry. But it's important to understand that, yeah, it is okay not to feel okay. Reach out to those people and then start to think about, well, what can you control and what if? And start to think, well, yeah, it's a choice. And, and I think it, for me, it comes down to a piece of text that I read last year by Andy Cope in The Art of Brilliance when he talks about the life lottery. And it's quite funny to kind of explain this on a uh, podcast. But Steve, if you were to think about how you were conceived and how I were conceived, not too, let's not go too deep into it. But every day that you wake up, you won the life lottery. If you think about all of the chances of that one little, let's just say wiggly worm, right, getting to the egg, we've won the life lottery. We're alive. We're breathing. Now, that is great so everything else is a bonus and when you really mm. put it into that perspective me moaning about that i'm not getting a booking or i've lost my job or lost that there's other things that's more important you know kindness being a good human being making a difference to people smiling you know sharing love and just being with your family and i think that was exposed last year in the global pandemic i think we were all going in this direction where everyone was just glued on their phones and glued into other things that weren't important. And I think we've all realized that actually there's far much more important in life. And that was basically the spark that happened to me. I think I needed it. If I'm honest, Steve, I think if I didn't have it, I may have carried in a completely different direction, but I needed that moment to say, right, your boat is burned, Ricky. So now make a choice. Are you going to swim, uh, swim or sink? I probably sank for a couple of weeks, but then I started to paddle and uh, then make a difference and start swimming. No, I think I think you weren't sinking. I think I think you that that's that's slightly too uh, you're being harsh <laughs> too hard on yourself on that one. I think you were probably doggy paddling. You know, you yeah, were, you were yeah. kind of not swimming, but not getting very far. Yes. You know, yeah. I, just, yeah. I, I felt I felt I was like walking in glue for a bit, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so you mentioned vulnerability earlier, and that's yeah. not a word that comes up very often apart from when you speak to or listen to Brené Brown or someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um is that one of your like key learnings from this whole experience then? Is like actually yeah. it's all right to be vulnerable. Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's absolutely because last year that's all I did. I showed up, I was honest. I remember doing like a quick like um just a solo talk on Facebook Live about hey, you know, that um this is the situation, this is what's happening. Um but I'm working on it and I'm doing things. And me just being open, I think, conveyed authenticity to people that I am more than just this magical being. I am a human being as well. And, you know, yeah. when we talk about this, we're not human beings, we're human. Uh, we're not human doings, we're human beings, which means we think and we feel and we behave and we perform. And I think that it's absolutely important because it's that ability, isn't it, to show up when everything is against you. And that happened to you, to me last year. Everything's been taken away We've got no idea what the outcome is going to eventually be, but we just show up and we say, hey, that's tough. You create a podcast and you're now creating this wonderful optimism. And, you know, you mentioned it earlier on to me, and I know that you have it as you, you call it as a force field, which was from obviously your grandma uh, of optimism. And now you're creating these wonderful things to other people. And that's just showing up, isn't it? Every day? You didn't have to. You could have, if you wanted to, Steve, for the last year, just say, oh, sod this. <laughs> I was waiting for this to all blow over, you know, but you showed up and you said, Hey, it's tough. <laughs> and I know some of your episodes on your podcast is talking about resilience and tough times. And I think that's absolute key because we are there to help those people that probably feel scared that, that they're like-minded, but they're just not brave enough to open them and say, Hey, yeah, yeah, I feel like that too. And I think that you're doing a wonderful job with that, Steve, with the podcast, you're helping people spread optimism and joy and uh, similar to me, we're reaching out to people saying, yeah, hey, yeah, I'd like to put my hand up. I feel like that as well. So, yeah, I think that'll be the answer yeah. to that, I think. No, I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. No, well, no, thank you. That's very kind of you. Um, you know, but uh, I'm the host. You're, you know, you're the guest. Sorry, so yes. I'm supposed to be answering <laughs> questions. <in this> <laughs> 
that's fine. Um, so, right, let's 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 move out of that that line of uh, that sort of line of questioning. But we're going to stick with COVID because what I want to do, we're, we're coming out at the end of this thing, aren't we? I, c- yeah. I can feel it, right? Yes, yeah. I can see the some sunlight coming through the clouds. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Blackbird are actually singing, um, you know, in the back garden here. Um, so what are you looking forward to most when we're coming out of lockdown? I'm, I'm thinking yeah. I'm flipping, I need a haircut and <laughs> I want to go to the beach. I wasn't going to say go Steve, to, yeah. I want to go to the pub. I want to have a pint yeah. of nice, I don't know, London pride or whatever. Other beers are available. Um, <laughs> what are you looking forward to, mate? I often joke about this, but I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how tall and how small people are again, <laughs> because all I've seen for the last 12 months is people on Zoom. <laughs> so I don't really know how tall they are and small. But I think that's the connection of just seeing human connection. I really want to make sure that we don't revert back to type. I, I said about this on someone else's podcast recently, which is if you go to London, you go on a tube, everyone's glued on their phones. If I was to go onto a tube and then just say to someone, hello there how are you doing? How's your day? They would think that I'm absolutely bonkers where I'm just being a human being. But I hope that the pandemic has exposed how much we miss human interaction and connection. You know, in a world where we are mm. virtually connecting to people, that's the one thing I really miss. I miss just having a, a conversation with someone like you, you know, in a bar, in a pub, having a coffee, those little things that maybe we took for granted before, I really want to make sure that we can do that again. Hug my mum as well. That's one of the probably the big things as well. See my family. And oh, I yeah, think sorry. Just, yeah. yeah, I want to add that as well. <laughs> yes, yeah. Sorry, yeah, mum. Sorry, mum. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's it. The big thing for me is that human connection. I mean, I thrive off it anyway as an extra. Mm. I need people. And it was a very big change for me to start everything doing virtually. And I love it. But I miss human connection and interaction. Yeah. You know, actually seeing people. You know, seeing like just, I mean, I think, you know, if you've ever used Zoom, Steve, you, you've got that little touch up thing, haven't you, where you can touch up HD. <laughs> We're going to see people, aren't we, that are not in HD anymore. And uh, <laughs> that'll be quite interesting. But in answer, yeah, it's got to be the human yeah. connection for me. Do you know, I did that on the, on Zoom. <laughs> I thought <laughs> I'll just try it because, and it's, it's great. I've got rid of some of the, uh, the lines on my forehead. So, you know, I looked, <laughs> it took about 10 years off me. It's fantastic. What a great tool that was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, all the secrets now, people have realized that when they see me on Zoom. God, I shouldn't have, <laughs> I, shouldn't have I shouldn't have broadcast that, should I? So what have you got planned for 2021 then? What, what's the major yeah. goals you've got looking forward and let's, you know, yeah. what, what, uh, what's in the, what's in the pipeline? So I obviously the biggest thing I think is to get back into the wedding industry. Um, there's lots of weddings. I think I've still got about 50 weddings in the diary. So fingers crossed. I'm staying optimistic that we're going to come out of this soon. I, I do think maybe we won't see events probably to the, the full capacity of what we remember, but maybe it'll be restricted. So I know weddings were restricted to 15 mm-hmm. people. So I think that may continue for some part of the year. Maybe at the back end of the year, it could be mm-hmm. a bit more to what we remember. So I'm looking forward to getting to perform live again, um, which is interesting. I'm going to have to wear trousers instead of pajamas because I just wear pajamas when I'm doing my online shows because no one can <laughs> see the bottom half, you know. So I've got to make sure they fit. But um, I think it'll just be a case of continuing the virtual world for a while because there's still a lot of interest with corporate team parties, online shows. There's a course that I want to create, which is going to be coming out soon, which is how to create a magical customer experience. I do a lot of work, obviously, in the wedding industry and I really want to help people understand what I do in my own industry, why I've won awards and how I can make you know these magical experiences for others as well. I think it'd be a great thing to do in terms of that evergreen stuff, the the life that we want to create um, and do the, you know, the one-to-many rather than just one-to-one, but that's probably bigger picture stuff. But I think um, yeah. podcasts as well, continue that. I love that, but maybe transition that into more speaking events as well. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, speaking, performing, and um, yeah, online courses. I think that's for me. I think, and obviously seeing my mum. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. What can we? Oh, I'm my know, dad. It's I should been, say it's as been well. tough. Sorry, last few things. I should say sorry, so, my yeah, dad. Sorry, sorry dad, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all need to create magic moments every day, right? How can we do this? What's your? What are your top tips at these ta- these these challenging times that we're we're almost at the end of? But yes. this is the time when we really need to like focus on stuff and get, you know, do the, do some good stuff rather than 
uh, yeah. we don't want to be on that sort of downward slope or anything. We need to make, you know, keep keep on the upward trajectory, don't we? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think it's being authentic. Whatever that looks like in your world, in your business, or in your life, or with your family, is showing up, being vulnerable. Just show up every day. Be authentic. Be yourself, and just be a good human being. You know, share kindness, share love. You know, um, send people messages, you know, gift things. You know, I, I do things where I gift people books just as a surprise. I send little voice memos to people just to cheer them up and tell them that I think they're doing a great job and whatever they're doing. Just show up and just be a good human being, I think, is what I think is the best way, you know, and just be authentic. Let's not be robots. We're human beings. We're not human doings. So just show up and just be authentically yourself. I think that's my way of um, yeah. creating magical moments, I think. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So if we want to learn more about Ricky, how can we connect and contact with you, mate? What's the what's the best thing? Yeah, thank you, Steve. So I am Ricky Lock at Ricky Lock Magic on all pretty much social medias. Uh, LinkedIn, I'm Ricky Lock, but on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, it's Ricky Lock Magic. And uh, again, you can listen to the podcast as well, which is the Unlock podcast. And uh, yeah, find me at rickylock.co.uk. Thank you, Steve. Brilliant. That's so awesome. You know, thank you for coming on the on the, the show, the home of optimism. Uh, it's been a treat. It really has. And, um, you know, it's a wise, a, a wise head on young shoulders. And, um, you, you know, I wish you every success, you know, moving forward. I know that we're going to stay in, in, uh, in contact. And um, I'm so glad that you've 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 come into my life and, and into my network, uh, Ricky. It's it's really lovely. And, um, you know, thanks thank you. so much. Oh, thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Thank you uh, for inviting me on. Really appreciate it. It's been a good conversation. Thank you. That's a pleasure. You take care. Oh, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ricky. What an outstanding gentleman he is. Now, don't forget to connect with him on LinkedIn or subscribe to his podcast and YouTube channel. In fact, why don't you even connect with him and book him up for a corporate or celebratory magic show? He is awesome. I'll put his contact details and all the socials in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I really, really do appreciate it. And don't forget to leave a review and subscribe to the podcast. Keep the optimism levels high. Keep aligning yourself with your passion. Take care, everyone. Sending magic hugs out to you all.